What you're about to hear is a live episode of Getting Better Acquainted that was recorded at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as part of the PBH Free Fringe. It's very different from a normal episode because it was done in front of an audience using microphones and that makes it a slightly different environment from the usual conversations that I have on this show which are much more kind of intimate. It was also a conversation I had when I was completely exhausted from doing a show because it was recorded live it's going to have a lot more ums and stuff apart from that there's just one thing that came up that I feel I need to clarify at this point my guest talks about Tourette's and I didn't necessarily in the conversation address that subject in as much detail as I should have done and with the understanding that I should have done and the reasons for that are that first of all I'm talking to a comedian and I initially misunderstood I think the reference as being the the kind of joke that people can make about mental health conditions I mean it's not just comedians that do that and it's not even always a joke is it sometimes people say oh I've got ADHD or god I'm so dyslexic or other things like that when they actually mean that they're they're a little bit not good at those things or or have a little bit of kind of obsessiveness or whatever rather than the actual condition and I initially thought in that context and the other thing that made it confusing and for me in, in the conversation and after the conversation is that my understanding of Tourette's is different from the one that my guest was describing I've done some research into it afterwards and I'm not trying to invalidate anybody's condition or their understanding of conditions and I'm certainly not a doctor but my understanding of Tourette's is that it is a tick-based condition where people have involuntary vocal tics or involuntary physical tics and there's more to it than that but that's the sort of specific nature of it and that it's not really about having rage that you can't control and having rage come out in that way. I understand rage, I experience rage, and that's why I thought I could connect with my guest on that. And that's why it may sound like I'm sort of comparing having a cold to having a a really bad illness. I think I probably am talking about the same thing because Tourette's does not have that anger. But having looked into it, there are many other conditions that you get around Tourette's that will cause people to have rage. Like, not everybody with Tourette's has rage. Rage is not a part of Tourette's, but people with Tourette's are more likely to experience rage and people who experience rage do feel that it is uncontrollable quite often and that's fine and for for everyone finds their own way of dealing with whatever they experience but I think that my guest was being serious about having Tourette's and I wish that I had firstly taken it a little bit more seriously and secondly had asked specifically about his experience of that condition and and how that relates to rage and and trying to unpick that uh, thread apart. Having said all of that, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I think it's a really kind of different flavour from the show normally and uh, thanks to my guest Peter Buckley-Hill for agreeing to do this with me. So I'm going to start the show with a live version of the theme tune. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Peter Buckley Hill. Hello, Peter. Hello. 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 Oh, wow. Yes. Undeserved applause. Good way to start the day. Carry on. Thank you. All applause is uh, a good applause, uh, particularly unde- undeserved applause. I'm, I'm a particular fan of that. So the first question that I ask all my guests is, how do you know me? Which is an interesting question, I think, in this context. Oh, a very interesting question in this context. Uh, you applied to do this show. Yes. That's... Uh, and uh, well, it didn't even go through my hands. It went through the hands of my spoken word captain, 
Oh, well, Captain, my Captain is the usual gag I do at that point, and uh, yeah, um, doesn't work. Never has. Never will. That's but right. You... I mean, I applied to do, yeah, I applied to do two shows at the Free Fringe. One, mm. Stand Up Tragedy, which is happening mm. at 6.30 um, every day, well, till the 14th, mm. so tonight and tomorrow at the Fiddler's Elbow. Um, and, uh, yeah, yes, yes. the so other one, one being that this. That one stood out in my memory because I did a show with the same title four years ago. That's right. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you're, you're one of many comedians that, 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 that could threaten to sue me. Um, but thankfully, there's so many of you that they, there's evidence that, that, that none of you can because uh, every, everyone seems to have done that bit. But obviously, I think it's a good bit because I've used it as the title of my show. But nobody has done the show so far. So thankfully, I'm the, the one that got in there first. Uh, so far, to my knowledge, uh, I'm always afraid of being sued by, by mysterious people that I don't know from far, far away. And so far, they've not done that. Um, yes, so that's how we know each other. And you yeah. run the Free Fringe, because the second question I yes. ask people is, uh, what do you do now? <laughs> what do I What do I do now? I drink a lot. <laughs> it's the stress, you know. <laughs> It's the stress. <laughs> no, it is. I spent all of yesterday dealing with an accusation of sexual harassment by one performer against one of my team. I'm having a lovely Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right, because, I mean, I guess you started the Free Fringe how long ago now? Uh, 1996. That was the um, first year we did the Free Fringe. Um, well, I say we, um, it started with a single show. My show, Peter Buckley and Some Comedians, which is, which is still running. Yeah, that's right. You know, like, like people, free fringes start small and grow up to become obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, and so, I mean wh- why did you decide to start the free fringe in 1996? Oh, um, really um, quite simple. Before we came along... Um, the Fringe was run entirely on the pay-to-play model. So um, an artist coming to the Fringe would lose, well, I suppose, about £10,000 in today's money, or rather less of the money of the time, um, by paying a space broker. Um, and they would, when they would come along, they would do that, and they would gain nothing from it. Um, ticket prices were... Uh, again, you know, about average of £12 in today's money. And um, an unknown performer would come to the Fringe, charge the average ticket price, get no audience, because obviously if you, the audience, you know, choo- have a choice between paying £12 for someone you've never heard of and someone you have heard of, you will always go to the one you have heard of. Um, so I, as a then unknown performer, thought, well, how can I make it better initially for myself and the answer was obvious use the price weapon now the money venues did not and i believe still do not let you change your price except within a very very narrow band um and uh, i therefore acquired a venue that did not charge me for the use of the space uh, no actually that's not true the, the first time i paid for the use of the space but i thought if the show was cheap then many more people would come and I would have a chance. And then I thought it further. If a show is cheap, you still need the infrastructure of someone to collect and check tickets and liaise with box offices. Why not junk that infrastructure and make it free? And that was the experiment I tried in 1996. I mean, it's a direct communication between the performer and the, and the audience. Very as well, much so, yes. They pay what they what they feel the show is worth, which exactly. I think is is a, as a punter that's definitely something I respond to better. Uh, as a performer, I also like that because you mean you get to uh, you get to have an idea of what they thought about your show. Almost what they pay is a is a is a note on your show, and then you can make the show better if they're not paying enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you can make the show better, I personally can't. <laughs> I have reached the limit of my abilities. But yeah, I mean. So how I mean so in 1996 when you did that first show as you sort of said that you just started as a performer, um, not uh, close quite. To it, yeah, um, I'd been a um, a singer songwriter on the folk circuit for many years. Right. Okay. Uh, the folk circuit was dying, 
I mean, let's face it, no one likes folk music. I like folk music. <laughs> well, you're not anybody then, are you? <laughs> you fell into your, your own syllogism there. Not anybody, <laughs> yeah. No, the folk circuit in England, certainly in London, was, was dying. Scotland is a little different. The folk music is, is different. Yeah. A uh, lot more fiddles. But, um, yeah, and harps. Well, if you insist. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, I, as a, I'd always written comic songs, and um, I therefore shifted my performance area into, into comedy, uh, which required some adjustment of my act on my part. I didn't realise exactly how much I had to adjust until I first came to the Edinburgh Fringe and met, you know, people like Mitch Ben, um, who at the time was writing comic songs almost as good as mine. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I've got to have to up my game here. Yeah. I mean, and so you were performing in the folk scene, and then you decided to And then to, you switched to, to comedy, comedy effectively, which, gradually, gradually. And, I mean, I guess for a time you were a musical comedian. Do you consider yourself a musical com- comedian anymore? Yeah. Yes, yes. That's what, I, that's what I thought you were, so that's good. So it's good to be slightly correct about your guests. Um, but what were you, I mean, what were you before, before the folk scene? Like, I mean, you haven't always, like, you, you, you're not a career uh, performer. You've come to performance later uh, and, uh, and kind of embraced that then, I, Indeed, I believe. Indeed, yes. Yeah? I got my first paid gig when I was 34. Uh, I got my second paid gig last year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I... I was I, I was a lecturer at one of less fashionable universities. <laughs> That's right. And and uh, what did you lecture in? Um, business in general, marketing in particular. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that sort of makes sense for what you do now in a way. Is, in oh, the, absolutely. The free fringe is entirely marketing. It's entirely a question of you know, analysis of a market situation and using uh, you know, the, the tools a marketer has to gain competitive advantage. And that's what we're doing. Absolutely. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that's what we're doing here right, right now in this room. Um, I mean, when did, when did you sort of like, did you sort of, perform as a child did you did performance come did, uh, how did that come into oh, your life oh no 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 well I, I performed once as a child I think I was four at a Piero show in Blackpool <laughs> um yeah my mother found it an embarrassment to the day she died and uh, yeah um yeah my 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 parents hated despite loathed the fact that I performed um, and uh, it might have been a major factor um, in um, my father cutting me out of his will in 2003, which, which I didn't find out until earlier this year, ten years later. God. Um, what, did, what didn't they like about performance? What was their uh, reason? I, I have no idea. Maybe they were frightened by a performer in early childhood. Maybe they suffered from fear of clowns. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's, it's a thing. It has a Latin that name. That is a thing. I, I don't know what the Latin name is, sure. but, it, but, it, uh, but it, I have absolutely... No, I, I became everything my father despised. I became a performer. I also was a lecturer. I became a teacher, and he, he hated teachers. Uh, if I'd just become a Jew as well, that would have been the full house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, there's always time to convert. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, were they like? Uh, I guess had a different background from any of those things. If you hate uh, teachers and you hate performers, I mean, were they? Uh, making, I don't want to make assumptions. Oh, I, I, I want I you dis- to say I, dis- them for me. I discovered why my father hated teachers after he died. Okay. Um, well, 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 he, he was a strange man, but um, but I discovered. Um, I don't quite know why I did this, but I was in correspondence with an old work colleague, and uh, um, he went to um, Ushaw College, which was a sort of seminary in in, in Durham. Um, didn't actually train for the priesthood, but you know, many of his schoolmates went on to become priests. Um, and uh, I, I contacted Ushaw College, and... Uh, learnt a bit more about my father's history. They sent me the prospectus um, prevalent at the time he was there, uh, which, was, um, which was all in Latin. I'm very proud that I understood 80% of it. It, it sticks with you. Um, and I'm sure you know, my father's father, you know, working man he was, probably 
understood less of the Latin than I did. I so say, yeah. You send your child to a school where you can't read the prospectus. Yeah, great idea. Usher <laughs> <laughs> um, College, you know, the librarian told me, had a tradition whereby um, all the boys in the form stood up before the whole school and their marks were read out in order and as soon as your mark was read out you sat down so the top of the form sat down first and the boy who came bottom was standing to universal shame at the end of that thing and uh, the librarian also sent me my father's marks and you know, he was by and large the bottom of the form right no wonder he hated school teachers no, sure. And schools, I mean, you know, my, my, my mother had a pretty brutal experience in schools. I, I, yeah, I mean, they're still brutal, I think. I, they were brutal when I was at them too, but uh, well, the brutality changes in different and interesting ways, different years. Well, oh, through, indeed, yes. Uh, throughout uh, the decades. Uh, oh, school brutality, I can't, can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, well, when I, when I, well, yeah, well, you could when I... Yeah. Yes, exactly. My, my, my Latin master used to get the boys to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> i believe it yeah. uh yeah sadly um so i mean when did folk music come into your but life still i can uh, still read latin 50 years later so i get yeah, so it's done well it's done that's yeah. a useful language to have really uh, yeah, these days. absolutely yeah. a lot, lot you can do with it uh when the ancient romans you know finally come to this time through the power of tra- time travel it will really help out i think um the uh so when did folk music come into your life then? So you, did, you weren't a performer, your, ch- your parents didn't want you to be a performer? No, well, yeah, absolutely, but... But you a did. A performer is, it's what you are, right. not what you want to be. <laughs> Nothing to do with talent. Yeah, something right. drives you onto the stage. And uh, something drove me onto the stage. I wanted to be Bob Dylan, but, but Zimmerman got there first. Yeah, he got there before a lot of us, I think. Yeah, annoying that, yeah. isn't it? Um, so, I mean, so when did, like, when did that, I guess I'm sort of thinking, like, were you, was it in your teenage years that you embraced, like, performing music in front of people? Uh, sort of, yes, but very, very badly. Well, yeah. Of course, nothing's changed. But I mean, no, I mean, I'm still doing that, yeah, playing badly, but it was definitely my teenage years when I started playing. Um, and, I mean, did, 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 did you have a good first gig? Is that the the curse that you've got sometimes when people have a f- good first gig that's when why we can't go no. can't stop coming back oh no 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 I, 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 I'm sure it was absolutely terrible I can't <laughs> remember what it was oh, of course you've got a defined gig and my first gig was not a paid gig obviously it was an open spot right. as everybody's first gig is yeah. uh, and I, I probably sang Dylan or Donovan or someone like that right and so you had a day job and you had a folk uh, semi-professional career was that, was that the sort of thing that people would say about you at the time uh, yes I think it was. Yeah. Well, yes I certainly uh, got to the point at which people paid me to do it that's good why I don't know I'm still waiting did. to get to that stage um, and y- you had a day job as well though I mean did, did you find a conflict between those two no. two things uh, well mostly not um, mostly not in fact you know you're teaching university as I did obviously I was dealing with Adults, you know, sometimes mature, mostly young adults, but you know, adults, people of age. Um, and uh, for my final year students, you know, the 21, 22 year olds normally, um, uh, in the early years, I, w- I would plug some of my gigs and they'd come along. And, you, know, you, you can hear them singing in chorus on my, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 on my second album. And then I stopped because I did um, a gig in uh, West Hampstead, I think it was. Um, and there was this young man in the audience, clearly out of place, clearly not in tune with what was going on. It was a folk gig, yeah, clearly out of tune with what was going on, clearly lost, um, clearly baffled. And I spoke to him at the interval, and he was a first-year student on the course that I was then course leader of, and the final years had told him if he wanted to pass, he'd better go to my gigs. <laughs> and he, poor sod, had believed that. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I stopped plugging. I, I kept separation between the two lives. I wouldn't imagine anybody could believe it, but that you know, poor boy, man, I, I don't even remember his name now, but you know, 
And when you, I feel I feel bad about that. Well, that is, yeah, I can understand. But uh, I mean, at least you, at least it wasn't true. Uh, if of course, it, had it, been, wasn't if it true. Yeah. That's when, when you should have felt bad if you were like making that a requirement of the course. But yeah, as no, you were, no, well, you yeah. sure you're all right. Um, I mean, when you changed to, to, from music to, to comedy, I mean, it was quite late to take up comedy. I mean, people sort of work for years, don't they, for, to, sort of, uh, to, to launch into comedy. And you sort of, when you hit the ground, you, you hit the ground relatively uh, fast, relatively loudly. Oh, maybe. I don't know. In, in I mean, Edinburgh, You can never judge the speed. I, I think a lot of uh, very, very good comics uh, have um, you know, come from nowhere quite fast. Like right. Tim, Tim Minchin, for example, um, came almost from nowhere to you know, a very, very high degree of fame very but, quickly. But then I guess... And, uh, and he deserves it. He's a very, very good performer indeed. Well, absolutely. But then I guess that uh, Tim Minchin has had years of music before he embraced comedy. Oh, yes, so, he's also like, a very like, having good musician. Had performance you know, him in and one Bill area. Bailey and yeah. you know, your numerous other yeah, people right. who are good musicians. I'm not. I'm a three-chord guitarist. Right, no, well, I am, I, I, I am too. In fact, I can't even play bar chords. Uh, guitarists are always laughing at me. Um... But, uh, but, I mean, did you find there was transferable skills, I guess, to use annoying, an annoying word that came into my head, uh, between uh, music and, uh, and, and comedy? I mean, did you... Wow. Uh, um, yeah, hard to say, really. Um, you, whatever it was, I found I could do it to a certain extent. Because, I mean, you running... Know until you try. Running a variety night like I do, I sort of... Uh, I, I, I book musicians and I book comedians and I book all sorts of different people and I find that there's sort of different attitudes within the different uh, branches of the arts but you're sort of in a, a position where you're sort of crossing over like I, I always say musicians uh, expect not to be paid but hate you any, hate you for it uh, comedians expect to be paid um, and uh, writers take anything they can get uh, <laughs> this has been my experience unfortunately uh, I mean what, what do you feel about this sort of the comedy scene and the music scene what would you say about those kind of scenes and your experience I don't think I'm qualified to judge I'm certainly not qualified to judge the music scene (laughs) I'm almost not a musician I envy I gasp at the excellence of playing when I I see it Um, it's it's wonderful Um, I'd love to have been a musician Um, I wanted to be, well, in a sense, I want to be. I, as a child, I badgered my parents. This is going to get very psychiatric. I, I badgered my parents to have the one thing. They, they were quite rich, but you know, my cousins, who were relatively poor, you know, working class, uh, had one thing that we did not have, and that was a piano. And when we went round to my cousin's house, this wonderful thing, you could not get me off it. And I badgered my parents for piano, and they said, no, no, we will not get one of those. You would not practice. Wow. Okay, fine, I don't practice guitar now, so maybe they were right. Maybe you just do that to, like, you know... Maybe you would have practiced if you'd have been given a piano at the right maybe, time. You can maybe, maybe not. Know. You can never tell. You can't. I've got a piano now. I bought one. Do you practice My own it? money. I don't practice. <laughs> no, fair enough. Yes, there's a lot of keys. It take a lot of time to practice it a lot. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, so and then so you ha- you started the PBH Free Fringe with one show, um, yeah. and then it grew. Then it grew. Yeah. Did was did, did it happen to you, or was that a deliberate growth, or was it a mixture of both? No, I always thought that it would grow. Um, the model to me was so obvious that eventually people would pick up on it and, uh, and join us, and I was right. So the next year you had... had Not the next year, no. It took, you know, I think, I think eight years before we really achieved yeah, substantial growth. We grew above four shows. Right. Um, but then once the idea did take off, it mushroomed. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. I mean, when I first came to the Fringe, I think it was like 2000 or something like that, and I didn't see any free Fringe shows. I didn't well, really exactly. know about them. We were there, but a very, yeah. very small part of the operation. And then this time, coming back, it's been fantastic because there's a load of shows I can see um, because I don't have very much money, and that's the, that's the beauty of the free Fringe. I mean, um, as in those eight years, were they, how, how did that work? What did, what did those eight years look like of, of building to the point where, you, where we are sort of now-ish 
well, it became a full-time job. You know, I was lucky. Um, I have, um, I'm afraid, the other unique combination of attributes that will make this work. I'm good at organisation. I know the comedy scene, but most importantly, having been a lecturer for all those years, I now have an occupational pension. Right. And I don't have to gig to earn money. So this became the day job. That, well, yes, exactly. But you know, anybody who will take over from me, and someone must. Yeah, sure. Because I'm bloody exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, anybody who will take over from me needs the combination of those attributes and many people have the first two right. organisational skills and knowledge of the industry almost no one has the third the time right I mean I organise a hell of a lot of things and I don't have time for the things I do organise and so the amount of organisation that you in, involved in what you do I mean it's, it's, it's inspiring to me but it's also horrific to me yeah, it's in, a, in equal measure I it's think. a full time job yeah. and, and when you have to spend 24 hours dealing with a complaint of sexual harassment in the middle of what should be an enjoyable fringe right. you think fuck this yeah really you do yeah well that's the thing that with with uh, with a, a, an organisation comes responsibility if you're if you're running oh, yeah, it, I guess, yeah. and that's the problem. I mean, yeah, and, you've and, got to take the responsibility. Yeah, you you've have got to, to step yeah. up. You've got to deal with the stuff. But yeah. why? Why should stuff like that happen? <laughs> well, if we knew the answer to that, I think um, the world would be a much nicer place. Um, but uh, so, I mean, and now it is really big. I mean, we're like the free fringe now is. I mean, it's the big five now, including the free fringe, really. Oh, no, screw that. We're bigger it's than the, the big one. The, we're bigger than all People of them, that's right. People call the Pleasance and, 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 and the Gilded Balloon the big four. They're fucking tiny. <laughs> yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny. You realise we are bigger than all four of them put together. That's right, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Round of applause is good. Not, 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 not from everybody though, which is makes, it, <laughs> that, makes that, it feel weird. No, it does, I didn't do that for applause. But no. you know, it, it just shows the strength of the model. Yeah, that's right. I mean, how many? There's like seventy-five thousand or something. Uh, Seven thousand nine hundred performances of four hundred sixty-five shows on fifty-one stages in thirty-eight venues. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and that's an impressive feat. Yes. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's, but it, but it's, I guess, like. As you say, I mean, did you have, when, you, when you've said uh, in the meetings uh, that you haven't had time to write your show this year, was that, was that an Absolutely true. true. Uh, absolutely true. I, uh, th this year, I have written four gags. <laughs> and uh, much, though I speak them in a very, very slow voice, that still does not fill a one-hour show. Well, I guess you don't have to worry about running over. <laughs> so I mean, and that's I guess. Do you find that that's the the the, the worry or the fear or the conflict is that you you want to make stuff, but you also have to organise stuff, and it it becomes very hard to. to well, exactly. In. The organisation has taken over. The idea of the free fringe was that it's a collective of performers. Everybody does the work. Everybody is part of the of the deal, and I don't tell anybody else to do something that I'm not doing myself. Yeah. When I say to people, you hand out the flyers, I'm handing out the flyers. That's right, I've seen yeah. when I, uh, 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 and, you. Know, everything I ask everybody else to do, previously I said tell rather than ask, because you know, I am Adolf Hitler. The free fringe is a collective, and I'm its dictator. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, um, but anyway, you know, I as a performer do exactly what all the other performers do. In theory, but now the organisation is taking me over, right. that's becoming increasingly more difficult. And if you ask me to choose between organising and performing, organising does not cut it. Right. I mean, I'm in a similar situation, really. I mean, um, the more I find the more projects I take on, the less like writing and music making I actually have time to do. And I, I, like I say, one of the things I, I empathise with you about is I once started up a democratic band. It had like 15 people. Everyone was equal. We mixed a CD once democratically. Uh, half, half the stand-up tragedy technician was the uh, producer in that band. And he had this horrific experience of having notes from all of the other, uh, all of the other musicians telling him to turn things up and turn things down. He said he listened to mine because I always told him to turn me down, um, whereas everybody else turned, told him to turn them up. Um, but uh, but so but 
having been in a collective like that, I very quickly mm. discovered that the collective oh, was get, me and everybody else yeah. tells me what to do <laughs> because I'm not in charge. Yesterday, uh, I got a very, very hurt email from one of our own members complaining that one of his posters had been taken down and he could not afford to replace it. And what was I doing about this horrible situation? Oh, that, yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, my, t- yeah, my troubles, such as they are, are nothing compared to, to that kind of story. Jesus. Uh, um yeah, I mean, that, that's, and that's the thing. It's hard to, take, to get people to be part of a collective because, oh. you know, everybody likes the idea of uh, other people doing things for them, but doing things for other people is a bit of a harder thing. I mean, I think you do get a nice balance. I mean, I know that there are people in the free fringe who are pulling their weight. It's just there's yes, so many people so. in the free fringe that yeah. they won't all be doing so. Exactly. Uh, it's very easy for people to surf on, uh, on that. You know, when we discover it, um, then, of course, they don't get invited back in future years. But quite often we don't discover it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and that's the thing. Sometimes people, when they hear, like, you saying, like, you're bit about being Adolf Hitler, they, they, they think, um, oh, like, maybe that's, like, a, a, an extreme way of approaching this. But I think it's actually a very reasonable way of approaching this because there is no other way you can organise something like this without being, like, if you're not going to pull well, your weight, you have to leave and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's a pity, really. I mean, Adolf Hitler is the wrong analogy. Adolf Hitler was a very hands-off dictator. Yeah, maybe Stalin. Uh, uh, yeah, Adolf Hitler would, um, uh, would delegate the same tasks to several people and have them compete with each other. Uh, yeah, um, maybe you should start doing that. That sounds like so, so, so relatively the, sensible the, the, the entire model. Nazi regime was, was, was rather run on the lines of organisational rivalry and, and departments trying to outdo each other. Yeah, and and that's how it worked. Not not in the uh, not in the army. The German army was was very um, sensible for an army. In fact, the German army had massive delegation. Everybody right down to lower ranks was empowered to take decisions in the German army. And as an army, it was a very good one. It worked. It was efficient. It held the whole world off for many years. Um, but but the political organisation was completely different. Why am I telling you? That? I, I was wondering. All of the things that you said are true. There's obviously some major flaws to the uh, to the Nazi regime um, that we haven't mentioned there. But, oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, I suppose but I think, so. Yeah, I, I think, uh, <laughs> A big difference. Made the trains run on time. <laughs> sure. And, and, and I guess that's the thing, though. I mean, the, the, one of the many differences, and there are very many differences between uh, the uh, Nazi party way of organising things and the free fringe, is that the, the artists are not used to marching in step. They're, in fact, the opposite of that. Mm. They uh, are used to ignoring everybody else, doing what they want. They've got their egos. They've got their um, artistic ideals. They've, maybe they're distracted. There's lots of artists who are very nice people, but they have no mm. ability to keep anything in their head. Uh, well, uh, yeah, the fringe brings out the worst in everybody. Yeah, sure, and we're all exhausted oh, as well up here. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's been a long time of you doing it now. I mean, I mean... Are you looking now to, to pass on the baton? Is that where you're at? or are you? Uh, yes, very much so. Very <laughs> so much if so. anyone listening it's, wants it's to take m- on this job? Uh, oh, yeah, it's not a question of wanting. It's a question of being How? able to. Being able to. Um, and uh, yeah, organisations grow, and organi- when organisations grow, they must change yeah. structure. You know, if I'm a business, I'm a sole trader, if I, I have a hamburger stand out on the street... Um, yeah fine it's just me but then when that hamburger stand becomes massively successful i have to take on more stands more hamburger sellers and eventually i become mcdonald's now i and there is no mr mcdonald at the center of that that's our organizational structure as you as you grow you need that and and you become like it or not a capitalist enterprise and i can't see the free fringe doing that because that's the opposite of what we stand for and yet it needs to take on the infrastructure of a proper organisation, and I don't know the answer to that problem. Well, I mean, uh, the good thing about the internet is this goes out to pe- people who may know the answers to that problem. So. Yeah, but it also goes out to people who will exploit me not oh, knowing the answer to that problem. That's true as well. I mean, We've uh, already had people trying to steal the free fringe. Yes, I mean, that was something... Attempts. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's something I was going to talk to you about a little bit. Um, I mean, that's, you, you, there, is another, there is another group, there is another organisation that calls itself, the, a, we'll use words like free and fringe, not necessarily in that exact order for yeah. legal reasons, but they, they are out there. Well, sod the legal reasons. These people are lying, stealing, manipulating cunts. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> And they once, they once were, uh, uh, what was it, lying, thieving, manipulative cunts that were uh, part of the, free, of the PBH free fringe. They, they worked for me, yes. Um, uh, they, they came on board offering me organisational help. You see, exactly what I'm talking about. So, well, yeah. We will help you with the organisation of this complex thing. It wasn't a tenth as complex then as it was now. But I thought, fine, I could use help. But you know, they were secretly plotting to take over, and they, ex- they, they executed their coup five minutes before my one-man show in 2006. And they said, we're taking over, you're out. But they couldn't, well, of because course they you already couldn't. owned the company. It was mine. I owned it. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 they did take certain things. They took three of the four venues we had at the time. Uh, they took the domain names, which they had secretly registered under their name, not ours, so your freefringe.com is them, not us. Freefringe.co.uk is them, not us. We are freefringe.org, which you're being inept, inept thieves. They forgot to register that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that must have been a really horrible moment. It like, was, it was, absolutely. Just about to go on stage to do your solo show. I mean, did it ruin the show or was it the best oh, show? Oh, no, I was life? great. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's ama- amazing how it happened with all this stuff on my mind. I did a good show. Yeah, no, I believe I it. In I a managed way. it. I've done lots of shows with nothing on my mind. Right. <laughs> Well, I think sometimes that's the, the, the pressure or whatever. The, uh, I mean, w- um, we had uh, Josie Long, the comedian at Stand Up Tragedy, and she was talking um, yeah. about... Uh, uh, an- another form of free fringer, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, well, she, she was talking about, like, um, having had very tragic events in her life, and those would be the times she did the best gigs, you know, because she would be like, I guess your mind almost goes to a different place, doesn't it? And you can kind of be in the moment, I guess, to use, a, to use another phrase that's a little bit problematic for my, my, my mind that's trying to self-censor as I'm going. Uh, but yeah, being in the moment is kind of what we do as performers. And if you have something that sort of pushes you there thoroughly because you can't, if, you're, if, you, if you'd have not been in the moment, you'd have just been enraged like a, a I don't know, an enraged walrus. Oh, well, yeah, I, I was enraged. <laughs> and I used, yeah, I was, used the word very, very Literally, I have Gilles de la Tourette syndrome. That is the disease that I suffer from. And one of the aspects of that is that you can get uncontrollable rage. When I get angry, it's not like, unless you're one of us, it's not like any of you getting angry. You just get angry. I uh, get Maybe it's like me enraged. getting angry, actually, Peter, but, uh, but uh, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a recognised disease. But you know, well, anybody on the out, other cause... end of it um, is really at great risk. I mean, I, I have rage issues myself, actually. Um, I didn't know there was a name for it. Uh, maybe I'll have a look and see if I can diagnose myself. Well, but, yeah, uh, but, uh, no, you can't diagnose yourself. You need a specialist. <laughs> uh, um, I don't see specialists. Uh, that would may, may involve money. Um, but, but, but uh, no, I mean, I have rage issues myself, and I, I certainly um, have spent the majority of my life trying to overcome them, actually, um, because my mum has them, and it's fun. Yeah, to, the, the uh, point I'm making is if you have Tourette's syndrome and certain other diseases, right. you cannot overcome them. It is not No, that's what I was going to say. You can't control it. But, you, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, obviously, it, I don't it, have the same thing as you. Uh, I'm not looking for sympathy, but it is a bad thing to suffer from. Yeah. Because, of course, Prob- everybody who sees this rage you know, really, really hates you and thinks you're a very unworthy person. Right. Because of it. And yet you cannot stop it. Right. I mean, and, it, and that's, I mean, I, I mean, I know from my personal life that it's hard to live with someone who has rage. Uh, maybe even more hard to live with someone who has uncontrollable rage because uh, I can just about control no, it. Well, yeah, no, sometimes uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't get when I'm not at the festival. If it's not uncontrollable, it's not rage. It's anger. Okay. 
I like it. You're, you're downgrading me, which is why I'm, I'm happy to be downgraded. I don't want to be someone filled with rage. Um, so, so, I mean, when you got that message, you, you went on stage, you did a great show. What happened next? I mean, what, did, what, did, what was that f- festival like for you that time? Mm, uh, well, I, uh, I retrenched. Um, fortunately, uh, um, many citizens of Edinburgh knew and understood what I was trying to achieve, and uh, a couple of them in particular uh, helped me find replacement venues for the ones, the Laughing Horse still. Um, and uh, um, I, as a non-Edinburgher, did not know really where to look for other and better venues, but they did. And a search was found, and I actually got better venues than I originally had. Yeah, I mean, we got there's some and really we carried great, on. Really and, great uh, and, 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 and and I kept um, a large number of the of the acts, you know, who were loyal to the original scheme, and yeah, we carried on. I wasn't going to let that defeat the idea I'd had, because they would screw it up, and they are screwing it up even as we speak. How do, you, what do you? How do you define that screwing up? I mean, what is it that um, they do? The, the, one of the more important things about the free fringe concept is that you put on shows of good quality. Um, they've got to be as good, on average, as the money venues. What they're doing is putting on shows that fail that test. They are giving comedians one-hour, one-man shows that have never done a paid gig in their lives. They're not ready for it. Somewhere along their career, maybe they will be ready. But right now, they're not. They've not served their time to the trade. They've not proved it by being booked for money by several promoters. Um, Such people are getting one-man shows with them, not with us. No, I mean that's a. I mean that's the thing about the free fringe is that you have, it's it's quality as well as it's free. Yes, it has to be. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be a commercial uh, venture. I mean, even in, you would not get any. You would not get any donations at the end of the shows mm. if the shows are rubbish. Well, um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. In a sense, that's up to the individual performer, right? Um, you know, who keeps all the donation. Yeah. Um, your money without um, without deduction, but which know, is great. I mean, and that's another good thing. It's I a mean, reputation thing. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the thing about the free fringe that I think is is uh, unique, I guess, is that it, l- like I was saying earlier on, it's it's about quality, but it's also about um, negotiation between the artist and the and the audience. And so, I guess yeah. when you're talking about uh, people who have, have not are not tried, they they haven't begun that conversation, they haven't begun that negotiation, so they're sort of yelling rather than talking. Maybe uh, might be the analogy to make, I guess. So, I mean. One thing that anybody that's doing the free fringe uh, knows of you is that you write very long emails. I write very long emails too, so uh, I'm quite known amongst my friends as writing really long emails. And they're important to write long yeah. emails when you're organising things. Every word is important. Yeah. Um, I have to tell them lots of things. Yeah. And when things go wrong, it's because people have not read those emails i know but the thing is i find this i write really long emails but people don't read them because they're long they say and i say well learn after the first time you didn't read it read it the next time you i can't give you less information just because you want to skim read um but uh, i mean i guess like um but also your 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 um your emails are very reasonably um blunt to the point exactly what needs to be done you don't you don't sugarcoat anything. If you did, they would well, be, you know, three yeah, pages longer. Yeah, that, that's two X again, of course. <laughs> and and do you find that that? I mean, does that mean that you get a lot of respons- angry responses back from your emails? Do you think? Um, occasionally, in which case, you know, I respond with equal anger. Okay, okay. I'm glad I've never sent you one back angry. Uh, <laughs> then we would find out who can control their rage. Um, yeah, I mean. 
something that's been suggested to me by by a by by a friend uh, who I'm not going to name is that, that if you can't if you don't have time to to write your show next year, perhaps you could make your show PBH's emails and you could read your emails to the audience. What do you think of that as a suggestion? Stupid. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I think there's some comedy in there. I think there is, um, but I, I, I also recognise that it would be uh, quite an in-joke uh, and only really relevant to people who are in the PBH Free Fringe performers, and we want audiences rather than performers coming in. I mean, that's the scourge of Ed- Edinburgh, really. Uh, when you're doing a show, is that you know you want to perform to the audience, but the audience is so much harder to get in than other performers. But I guess uh, it's still useful to be seen. It's a good rule of thumb: never to do a show about yourself. Right. People aren't that interested. I don't know what I'm doing here talking about myself. Well, <laughs> but never do a show about yourself. Well, yeah. yeah. You like gags. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do. My, sh- my show is conversations with people, which, uh, and every time anybody does a conversation with me, they always say at the end, oh, none of that's interesting to anybody else. Um, but actually, weirdly, uh, uh, people are interested in other people's lives, but uh, but but it's it's finding a way of of making that accessible, and I think yeah maybe the framework of reading out obscure emails wouldn't really work. Um, but uh, I mean, how do you find like yeah? I mean, how is that kind of? Uh, do you think that that's the right? Do you would you advise me to carry on writing long emails and and make them blunter? Because 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 uh, I I'm, I write long emails, but I'm very you know. I try and be nice to people all the time, even though I'm really angry with them when I'm typing those nice words. I wouldn't advise you to do anything. You must find your own solution. (laughs) I do things the way I do. I can do no other. And it's worked well. I mean, and what you've done, what you do works well. Um, And so I think that's a a testament to sort of, maybe a testament to anger uh, or rage, whatever you want to call it. I mean, do you think being angry has helped you get to where you are now? I am where I am now, wherever that is, because I am me. Right. It's part of me. I, I have Tourette's syndrome. I suffer from the things that Tourette's syndrome suffers, suffer from. I do not possess tact. I do not possess diplomacy. I do not possess charm. Um, when something annoys me, I say it. When I find someone else doing what I do, I think they're horrible. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, that is the funny thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. when you're running a show, uh, and then you and then you have to come into contact with somebody else who's running a show, you suddenly you realise the, the other side of what 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 you do to other people. But at the same time, it's the only way to get things done. So you have to be hard with performers, even if you are a performer yourself. I mean, does, do you find that complicated? I mean, that's I definitely find that complicated booking people for shows, um, and I instinctively want to be as uh, carefree as they are in the way that they approach it but I can't be because I'm putting the money down and I'm putting the the the, the, the stuff on the line uh, I, I mean do you find that to be a, another conflict in, in in all of the stuff that you do or do you find that you ha- still feel warm towards performers as your fellows I mean, um, yeah, no no not really um, <laughs> uh, it's it's difficult to say I have some performers I would call friends or at least Acquaintances, Acquaintances. Um, but uh, um, let's put it this way 465 shows 670 applications uh, let's say an average of 5 stupid questions per application (laughs) means I spend uh, well I think that's uh, 20.3 stupid stupid questions I answer per day wow and you answer them, you don't ignore them. Very, very rarely do I ignore them. <laughs> That's where the anger probably doesn't come in helpful. No, um, you know, you've got to answer. I guess so. I mean, I, I always answer emails. I always answer emails, but I find that nobody answers mine. Uh, so, I mean, maybe I'll, if, I, if they do start answering, it sounds like I'll regret that too. <laughs> um, I mean, so, I mean, where do you see the Free Fringe going in the future? I um, I don't know if it has a future. Um, if it continues growing at 35% a year, as it has this year, then it requires an organisation capable of coping with that growth 
that cannot just be me anymore. It seems that no one is around to be part of that organisation with the time and the expertise. What I would have liked to have seen it, if it were not for the laughing horse, I would like to have seen it fragment and become numerous, small, free, independent enterprises, each one run in a comfortable and convenient manner by the people who run it. So basically the venue captains would step it's up to become... Uh, that sort of thing, yeah. yes, but not within the umbrella. Yeah. There would be numerous free promoters on the fringe, and that's what I would have liked to have seen. But it hasn't happened that way. The thing the Laughing Horse did was see what I could not see, i.e. a way to make a profit out of the free movement. And how do they make that profit? I mean, um, largely, I believe, uh, kickbacks from printers and from venues. Yeah, I guess, uh, that and, makes and sense. also by charging the performers. Now, um, uh, that's really quite difficult. Um, our pledge was we we never charge performers, but in fact, we we don't keep that pledge because this year and last year we asked performers to make a voluntary contribution to the cost of printing the program. It's a huge cost. We've got 100,000 programmes on the street. The, the printer's not working for free. It's got to be paid for. Um, and we didn't sell enough advertising, so we have to ask for money for the performers. But I hate that. I can't live with that. Because our pledge was always no charges to performers whatsoever. Yeah. And we're breaking that, and I, I feel I can't hold my head up. But it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, many of us are... Tr I mean, I, I certainly was involved in making a, a fundraising CD for the, for the spoken word section, and yes. I've been to some fundraisers and stuff. And, 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 but the, it needs to be everybody doing that. It needs to be it everybody doing that, It can't just be a few yes. people. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've, got, we've had a certain amount of income from fundraisers this year, and I'm grateful to everybody who's done it, but it's not got close to covering the cost it needs to cost. Yeah, and, and, and it, but I, I mean, I also I can see it from both sides because it is a tricky thing. So, I mean, like uh, stand-up tragedy ourselves, we, we did a lot of fundraising for the Free Fringe, but we also did a lot of fundraising for ourselves because how else are we going to afford the accommodation? Well, how else are we, and, and so everybody's in that same boat as well. Exactly. Um, the, 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 uh, the answer to that problem, in theory but not in practice, is that every show sells advertising space in the programme. Right. That's how it's supposed to work. And that's hard, though, as well. I mean, we sent out emails to everybody we could, yeah. but... Uh... Yeah, well, most, most shows didn't try. And therefore, there is not enough advertising within the programme to offset the cost. Yes. Yeah, I'm, although, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is the thing. It's... it's, it's... <laughs> Artists tend to be very idealistic, and they don't. Less, and then, when it comes to getting their hands dirty with the economics of it, uh, yeah, that's yeah, what happens. Leave, yeah, they leave it to other people to get dirty hands, and that's usually me, right? Which I find annoying. No, very reasonably so. I mean, I guess when you're saying about the free fringe, sort of, it would be great if we if it fragmented. I can understand the argument for that from a, from a kind of personal personal point of view of yourself. But I mean, I guess the, the 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 thing that people might say in response to that is that um, what the P, what the PBH Free Fringe has got going for it is a brand, uh, and you know, whilst we're talking about the yeah. dirty economics of it's, things, uh, it's a very strong brand, and right. re Reinforced by the uh, by the program itself. And if you but if people aren't prepared to work to support the brand by selling advertising, then maybe they don't deserve it. Right. And uh, but if and if it did fragment out though, they would people wouldn't have that brand. Uh, so they would, it would be harder for every individual yep. venue to, 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 to operate. And people who can see a way of making a profit would exploit that, um, as indeed uh, they, they already did. They already did, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, I mean, but we've talked a lot about the kind of the, the dirty side, the, the sort of unpleasant side of all of this. I mean, do you still feel inspired to make, uh, make your own comedy and make your own stuff? No. <laughs> No, it's killed me as a performer, and I resent that. Okay, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to get the uh, the happy ending there. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I am doing shows at the moment which are a tenth as good as the shows I can do 
and often have done in the past. I'm not bad at doing com. I'm not doing comedy now. I haven't said anything funny at all. No, right? well, that's not but my show. I'm not, not a bad comedian. Five stars in the Scotsman, 2009. Right. Four stars. You know, yeah, no, I know. Uh, yeah. You know, they don't give them away. But you know, the shows I'm doing this year, while not awful, are <laughs> much, much less good than I could do without the organisational burden. What about the what about the Edinburgh Festival itself? Do you uh, do you still feel that the festival is an exciting, potentially exciting, potentially positive thing? Or it's uh, not exciting. I dread it. <laughs> it's really, really. Uh, but um, do you? Can you? I can't walk down the Royal Mile unless I've got a flyer. I can't deal with that many people. Uh, yeah, but I do still find that it's exciting to be here. That there's so many different kinds of art available. There are people making stuff that that whilst they may not um, be household names, they're making equally as good stuff, and they're getting an opportunity to bring that to an audience as well as the household names. It will be lovely to come here as a punter. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, I I did that uh, two years ago, and it was it was definitely. Um, it was definitely easier and uh, more enjoyable in a kind of artistic sense to be yeah. here just as a punter. Um, although, Sunnet Tragedy team are just about managing to have a lot of fun as well as, uh, as, well as do our shows. But uh, we're, we're all relatively, relatively still young. Most of us uh, are relatively still young. <laughs> and at least, we're, yeah, we're not, we're not um, retired people trying to run a massive, massive operation. So my, my heart does go out to you for that. And yeah, I do well, hope I mean, retired means... Not doing anything. No, I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. my dad's not been retired, retired nearly since I was born. Yeah, exactly. There's a difference. No, <laughs> I know. Well, my dad had me at 58, so he was a, he was a father, you know, stay-at-home father when he when he was when he was uh, when he was a pensioner. Uh, so I, I know that 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 stuff well. I mean, the last uh, the last thing that I ask my my guests always is, do you have anything to plug? Uh, <laughs> no, I would not go and see my show this year. But, <laughs> Um, they're not hopeless, but the, the, the one-man show is entirely reliant on old material because I've had neither the time nor the mental state to write new material. Some of the old material is not bad. I'd rather plug the Free Fringe itself, where we've got some really, really excellent shows yeah. this year. Absolutely. In, in the comedy section, um, you know, we have wonderful people coming over from the Money Fringe. Um, you know, people like Alistair Barry, Ben Norris, uh, 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 um, Alexis Dubas as Marcel Lucant, um, you know, uh, and many, many other names of that calibre. Not sort of national television names. The only real one of those we've got is Phil Jupiter's. Um, but, you know, really, really good comedians, and they're very, very worth going to see. Plus the other spoken word section where we're sitting here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very, very, very proud of that. We've broken spoken word at the fringe. Until two years ago, there was not even a spoken word section in the Big Fat Fringe programme. And, 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 and the shows based on poetry didn't know where to go. They, they, they had to be either events, which they're not, or cabaret, which they're not, or you know, nothing w would describe what they did. And we worked and we lobbied and we badgered and, and it took us ages to achieve it, but now there is a spoken word section in the Big Fat Fringe programme, and spoken word is a thing on the fringe, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, well, uh, 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 stand-up tragedy is uh, very proud to be a part of the, the spoken word lineup. And what we've also found is, I mean, coming up, we're, we're, we don't know where to put ourselves. We're not a cabaret. Cabaret gives us the wrong idea. Spoken word we sort of, was, a, was a compromise decision, mm. right? But having been here, seen the other spoken word shows, which are amazing, they're a massively amazing lineup this year uh, uh, everything we've seen pretty much has been brilliant but Rob Orton Jem Rolls uh, yeah, Dan Simpson there's so many uh, Faye, Faye Roberts's uh, other voices Cabaret that's coming in straight after this uh, such brilliant shows uh, that we, we, we've sort of been won over none of us realised that we really loved com uh, poetry and spoken word and now we're all like yeah I mean every and the, the Stunnock Tragedy team's quite diverse so to, to win us all over is, is, a, is an achievement itself and yeah you've got, and you've got other you've got music uh, we've got music yes that's, that's expanding uh, we have to organise music in a different way to all other art forms being a musician is used to playing one off gigs and everybody else works in, in runs 
that uh, is organisationally difficult, but you know, we're managing. We, we've got good music at the Tron Kirk and yeah. at Malone's. Um, and actually, we have some amazing music at the Tron Kirk, but you know, I can't tell you what it is because it depends who's on in any given particular yeah. slot. But it's free, so wonderful, when you've got time, yeah, walking, wonderful yeah. young Australian guitarist there yesterday uh, who plays your basically lap guitar and uses the guitar simultaneously for percussion you know as the, Span the, the Spanish originally did yeah but yeah I, I can't describe it but it's very very good music indeed well if you I always think if you, if you can't if you can't describe a show it's probably a, a really good one or a really terrible one in this case it's a really good one um, yeah so and then the of course the theater section and um, we have now a few children's shows and, uh, yeah um, uh, children's shows are organizationally difficult course um, but yeah we're branching out into that and that's a fantastic and I've seen some I mean we saw the anti-social network on the free fringe which is a really good piece of theatre that I would definitely recommend um, so that's the plugging section over I mean the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience ah. and hello in a way Look, I, I, well I, I've spent the entire hour uh, proving myself basically a, a, a twisted misanthropic grumpy old bastard so I think saying goodbye will be out of character. <laughs> okay, Fuck well, off. I'll say goodbye. Fuck off! Fuck off! Uh, goodbye, everyone <laughs> listening at home. Goodbye, everybody in the room. This has been Getting Better Acquainted. Thank you very much, Peter Buckley Hill. Thank you very much. <laughs>